covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Inside the Walls podcast, Wednesday Rewind edition. Actually on a Wednesday this time. Sorry about right. last week, but now we are. Of course, I'm Jim Renier. Alongside me, 900 miles to the north, Zach Kylum. Yeah, back on Wednesdays, you know, like I, like we put in the post, you can't control the weather, as we yeah. as we know. At least it's pretty pretty hard to do so in, in all regard. But hey, back on the normal schedule. Good yes. to have it. Glad we're getting yeah. to talk about this week. All it's nice. Considered. I want to say to the fans out there that have listened to us and sent messages to us, yes, I know you love hearing Southerners complain about the weather. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know. Um, but uh, we do love it down here during the wintertime when you guys are snowed in. So, touche, uh, touche. <laughs> but, but anyways, don't, don't uh, remember. <laughs> don't remind me. Hey, man. that's right. You're an Indian. You get snowed in. Good um, enough. <laughs> we may get some salt sprayed. and like, oh, what's that? Oh, it's just you know, humidity that turns into salt. That's not, you know, it's not snow. Mom, um, what's but, that? It's frozen water. <laughs> I'm scared. Dude, they shut down the city. They shut down any Florida city if we get a dusting of snow. That's how oh, bad. So I've, so I've um, seen. Trip. Yeah. When I was in college in Florida State, we had like a little dust of snow that came by. city was shut down for a day. I'm like, okay. I can literally walk across this and it's melting as we speak because it's still warm on the ground. Um, but anyways, don't matter about Southerners complaining about snow. <laughs> we are Inside the Walls podcast, the official podcast of the National Marine League. And you can find us in multiple locations. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are our main ones. And a little bit of TikTok. Still trying to know how to launch that. Probably here in the near future. Maybe not. But anyways, you can follow us at Pod. Simple. Or go to the NationalArenaLeague.com forward slash videos to find us there. Also, like, subscribe. It builds morale on our YouTube page. When we get to 100 subscribers, I think we're like 14 away. Two tickets to any so NL close. game of your choosing. It might be a playoff game. See how close we're getting. But still, two tickets we will give to you, whoever wins. Remember, like, subscribe, click the bell, because you will be notified via that way of who wins the ticket. So let's recap last week, week nine of the National Arena League. Nothing big happened. Nothing, no, nothing, no, no big, nothing. No. The commissioner totally. didn't say anything. Uh, every game was run. Everything was clean. It was a nice, pristine operation. Like, no one says that in any football game, in any league, at any time. Week nine was chaotic. I know I, earlier last week, I said I need chaos the second half of the season. Why didn't it need to happen on the same game, in the same day? In the pull, same week. Pull, 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 pull it back a little. Hang on now. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like whoa, 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 whoa. Can we slow down here? Don't need it all to happen at the same time. As someone knows from a title of a said podcast, you still have to control the chaos just a little bit. That's a yeah. callback, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it took me a second. I'm like, wait, wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, he's talking about my, my other podcast, Controlling Chaos. I need to get back on that, but it's been, you know, hectic on my side. But anyways, news dropped today by the commissioner of the league. He made a statement about what happened in the San Antonio and Orlando game. And Zach has a few quotes he wants to say from that statement about that. Um, this is from the commissioner's mouth. So why not? Let's don't elaborate. Just say what he says. So we get everyone knows what we're about to report, what we're going to talk about in our first matchup that happened in Orlando. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate that we have to do do this, but the ending of the uh, contest between San Antonio and the Predators had much to discuss on the final really 24 seconds on the game clock or roughly 10 minutes elapsing at the end of the game. Um, for those that were watching, uh, I'm just going to put this in my own terms. Um, picture this, San Antonio has the ball. It's basically the final drive that's going to make or break who wins this contest. They're at about the two-yard line. Pierre Turner gets the ball, runs up to the left side, falls just a half yard short of the goal line. One referee signals a touchdown. The other does not. Um, they confer in the middle of the goal line, essentially, at the front of the end zone. Time's elapsing. Clock ends. Predators think they've won. Announcers think they've won. PA announcers think they've won. And we get 
essentially a stoppage for review. Everything is kind of feeling like it's uh, up in the air. We come back. Apparently, it's only been four seconds that need, are left on the clock. And that after stoppages, after kind of looking back at the replay, they set four seconds down. Robert Kent then gets one last play, runs to the left for a half-yard touchdown. Everyone goes home. And a lot of questions online have ensued ever since then or arguments about how that contest went. Um, I'm just going to read off kind of a paragraph today off, as Jim said, the official statement from Commissioner Siegfried. If you want to go through the whole whole, whole release, which we'll cover as much as we can on this, I'm not going to read through the whole thing because it is very lengthy, but I will read through the key parts of it. I recommend you go back. Um, first things first, to kind of add some context to this whole situation, Official Andrew McGrath, he, well, suffered a broken clavicle from that hit he took in the second quarter. It was pretty bad. They didn't really show it on replay again, but if you were watching it and if you go back online onto the YouTube replay, he gets running full speed ahead and takes it hard to the turf. Again, this turf isn't like field, this isn't like field NFL turf. This is, it's better than it used to be back in the day, but it's still thin carpet on concrete. So if you fall any way wrong or if you bash your head or you land the wrong way, it's going to hurt badly. He had to go to the hospital. Um, and as Mr. Sigbury actually says in this, he had to get some stitches for a laceration too. With that, he is going to make a full recovery. Um, the main thing you want to take away from this is how the, the interpretation was taken with the ruling. So I'm going to read this quoted paragraph. Quote, with respect to the call and ruling in question, that is for in terms of San Antonio versus Orlando, to add context, there were 24 seconds left in the fourth quarter. A San Antonio ball carrier ran to the ball very close to the end zone. One official signaled TD. The other official ruled him down short of the goal line. The officials convened on the field of play to discuss the situation. However, the game clock inadvertently continued to run until time was out. The lead official decided to review the play after said time. This is my adding on after said time run ran out. I'm adding that as an extension to that. After review, it was determined that the runner was down short of the goal line. The game clock was reset to four seconds to reflect where the game clock should have been at a previous play. And here's where the ruling comes in for this paragraph. Per league rules, this time includes a 10-second runoff since the ball was never spotted after the previous play, which is true. Um, most of it was... The referee actually had the ball in his hand. They were convening at the goal line during this time. Uh, the clock started. San Antonio and San Antonio snapped the ball, ran one more play. The gunslinger scored as the clock ran out. So essentially, it all comes back to as they're convening, the clock never had, there was no stoppage. They never stopped to convene. So the clock ran out. They had to then go back into reviewing on the video monitors where exactly the clock was when they started the conversation. Because if that's the case, that's when the 10-second runoff comes in. You then have to calculate it from there. In the game, they said it was 12 seconds that then converted to four, which didn't help the ruling explanation. This one makes more sense in terms of the mathematics in the statement because originally it was set on field as 12 seconds by the head official and that they converted to four seconds, which is eight, which that's not really – I've never heard of an unround or an un rounded number like not in an interval five being used so it got into that um nonetheless the terminology is mixed up it sounds like the fifth official not being there also made it tougher on the second half for this crew as well and part of this release as well is how they're going to address what happens if a crew member goes down uh they're going to go to the drawing board uh with at least uh supervisor officials joe clarkson for the league they're going to start evaluating how to do that um a lot of announcements is saying this is how it should have been. We're working on changes that need to be made for the for the NAL, um, and I, I think this is going to be the start to something that I really think is it's a step the league needs to take at some point. Um, and maybe it's Iron Man. Maybe it's the fact that I don't know. It's just we're getting more, more, more. I guess grounded teams here, and we're going to hopefully see growth with the NAL. Um, and that way they want, you know, they want into, they want to get into a more, I guess, uh, more of a growth and expansion of their brand as well as who they are in terms of the arena space, but officiating, I could say what I want myself. It is a, it is definitely a hard subject to grasp, but it's becoming more and more prevalent that it is making 
it's at least many in the fan base very disgruntled i think this year um i i can't say it was like that fully last year there were i mean there are moments every every year there is with with officials you're just no one's perfect but it feels like this year there's been recently especially just some calls or some ways that these games have been run that I think you really, maybe next year, just got to go to the drawing board in the off season, go, what can we do? You know, maybe, maybe Mr. Clarkson and Crump and company can go to the board and go, what can we do to possibly solve this or at least mitigate what is seeming to be kind of a talked about discussion point and even more so than usually are with officials. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not that officials are never a talking point. It's just that, it seems like it's getting talked almost too much right now. And it's becoming almost distracting to what the product is and what it can be even more so to the outside fan. It's a, and I mean, not even just this game, one thing it got undercut and Jim, I'll let you talk about this. I mean, you know, felt like, I mean, in the shark, the sharks Columbus game was defensive, but there were, there was unfortunately a very, a very unfriendly broadcast and experience moment in Columbus that happened that it, it was part of the officiating part, how the game was handled. It didn't go well there. And it was actually kind of under, it kind of got underswept in the public eye just because of what happened in Orlando on that same night. Yeah. Uh, every Jacksonville fan knows what I'm about to talk about. Every Columbus fan will kind of ignore it. Like, Oh, we don't know what you're talking about. I have visual evidence. I have screenshots of this interaction. Um, Early, later in the second quarter, right in the one-minute warning time frame, with 22 seconds left on the clock, Jacksonville completed a pass in Aquan Murray to about the Columbus three-yard line, and then it was 14 seconds left on the clock. Jacksonville hauled down the field like a two-minute offense does. Columbus's defense ran down the field, too, besides one guy who slowly started walking. And I paused it right then and there when the line judge had the ball. Nine seconds left. In the rules of football, in college, in the National Football League, even European, the line judge goes to speed of the game. He is not supposed to slow down the game by himself because he's too you know, lazy. You don't see that in the NFL. They go to pace. They put the ball down. Then they wait for the main ref to you know, blow the whistle to continue the clock. The line judge in the Columbus game held the ball to the end of the half. Jacksonville players were furious. I know a lot of people in the Jacksonville organization that are really irritated. As a fan, I have screenshots. I post it on Twitter. The line judge is literally holding the football with nine seconds left again, and the clock is just spinning. I have it at three seconds. He's still holding it. Then the line judge says, put the ball down, and the game's, and the half is over. That was a pivotal moment in the game. We talk about it every league. We've seen it in the National Football League in the, I think, 2018 NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints, where there was a clear pass interference that was not called that determined who went to the Super Bowl. The Rams went that year and got beat by the Patriots. You see that a lot in the NFL. You see crucial plays that affect the outcomes. Usually you don't see those type of plays determine the outcome in the early in the game. This was pivotal because Jacksonville would basically have bare – Barber's been kicking. He would have made that field goal, and Jacksonville would have been up by one point. Yes, not a big one point in a, in a, in a game is not a big deal. But Arvell Nelson threw a crucial interception at the end of the game in the last possession that determined the outcome of the game. He wouldn't have thrown that pass if that mess up didn't happen in the end of the first half, because Jacksonville would have had the lead. Columbus would have had to get a turnover, which they did, to come back and try to win the game. That type of plays we've seen it this weekend, Jack. This past weekend, we've seen it in Orlando with Albany and Orlando's game with the the offsides, clearly offsides that turned out to be the determined games changing performance for Albany. They went on to blow out um, Orlando. We saw this in San Antonio two weeks ago. We saw it in Columbus a couple weeks ago with uh, Albany too. There's there's key. It's not that these refs. And how the league has presented it, about 85% of the time, the refs are not the issue. They're not. It's all, oh, that's clear holding. That's a clear, you know, common penalties. But that percentage is getting bigger by the week as 
they are determining games. And when referees determine the game, in my opinion, or determine the, how the pace of play is supposed to go, then they're not a referee for the arena game. Why are our games going four hours long and three and a half hours? It's because the refs are walking down the field during one-minute drills when a team is trying to hurry up, spike the ball, and get their kicker out, and you're there holding the football for nine seconds, acting like you've never been to an arena football game in your life. Those are the plays that are crucial. Orlando happened in the Albany game. It happened this week against San Antonio. It happened in San Antonio a couple weeks ago. We have seen evidence around that league. And for me, who's tried not to talk about the subject, saw it happen to my team. And for Columbus fans, they saw it happen to their team a few weeks ago when they played in Jacksonville. It's You can say what the league does and what, how they approach it. It's just that us arena fans are getting tired of watching our game that we love get taken away by bad refereeing. And some of them is like crucial. We've I've seen line jack linebackers completely out of the box 15 down 15 yards downfield not get called. I see Mac linebackers blitzing before the ball's even snapped not get called. I've seen phantom pass interference flags on receivers or DBs who are not even on the field get called. It happened at Jacksonville gets Albany. Dangerfield got called for pass interference when he's played for Albany. He wasn't even in the game. He was, in, he was in the sideline of, in, uh, in Albany. That continued Jacksonville's drives. There's little things that don't bug you, but when you have big plays like the offsides in Albany, like this play in the second half of Jacksonville and what happened to San Antonio this week, these are the things that get fans irritated and get new coming fans and be like, that we, we can't buy into this product if it's going to be like this. That, am I mad that Jacksonville lost to Columbus? No. Jacksonville fought their butts off in the second half of the game for a for a reason that they should, they, well, they, it's a rivalry, but they were playing with a disadvantage because they got a possession stolen from them by the refs. And mm-hmm. I know, I, I know there's a lot of shark fans that feel like that. For me, I'm trying to be as you know level headed as possible. There's 15 sec, nine seconds ran off the clock with the ref just holding the football while Arvell Nelson's cussing at the ref and said, put the ball down. Like you're going in one minute offense. You don't hold the football ref. Put the ball down. Right. It's not about you. It's about let Jacksonville make a play to mess up. Don't stall it. It really irritated me. And Columbus, of course, it's not against what Columbus did. They they beat up Jacksonville. It was a good game. It came down to the very end. Jacksonville battled back, took the lead, and it was a good game. It was just that play right there was a significant moment in the game that determined the outcome, even mm-hmm. though it kind of corrected itself in the second half. But Arvell's interception in the game – May have not been an interception if Jacksonville got that, you know, ball place, snap, field goal in, and they would have led at halftime. It's small things, but the, the accumulation of the back calls, accumulation of the rulings on the field, and that's what's making these two and a half hour games four hours long. San Antonio's game is almost a four hour game for an arena football game. It's just for me as a fan, I love this, I love the arena game. It's just becoming so aggravating a lot of these games, even games that I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't have a team in the fight. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that's bad. That, that, that term, Orlando has a gripe. Antonio has a gripe. Every team in the league at one point has a gripe. Like mm-hmm. now we are not, now we're not inter, uh, reviewing fan interference, but we did clearly inter, uh, review it, not interview, review it in week one. It's just, we're the podcast of the league, and as fans, I think we have to say that we we need to start seeing something about the rule book so we can all understand the rules of the game. Well, and once I, we know the rules of the game, I think everyone will finally figure out, okay, that's the reason why they call this. That's why it's like this. It's just a lot. It's like each week, it's the narrative switches based on, like, are we doing a running clock? Are we reviewing pass interferences now or a, a fan catch interference what's the deal and for me and you it's very aggravating and i really want to you know tell me what we got to expect with a paper document or on the website and i guarantee is this this will solve a lot of the issues between the fan base and us right now and we're just fans just expressing what the fans feel right now to sure. the league and you don't have a, a dog in a fight you don't have a team you're, you're an indie but still right, you're man. feeling the frustration like i am this week like that is the thing is San Antonio got me like I'm watching the game. I'm like, 
what's going on here? And in Jacksonville game, I was furious because of course I was red and black. I'm a Sharks fan, but it's just when we have when we know people around the league and they're all saying the same narratives, it just the frustration just gets to me, and it, it, it I guarantee it gets to you too. Well, yeah, I mean, I I stressed a lot of that last week, and I think it's it's a little. I guess now, unfortunately, and really, unfortunately, it's easier this week to do so. Sadly, I, I this the way I take this statement too, uh, and just based on the fact, you know, from what you read with with Commissioner Sigfrey, I mean, I, I read off, you know, what the se- sequences were with this pl- with the play in question for there. Um, something that did come away with this though that had been noticed is uh, they is I'll say it quote. However, we discovered inconsistencies with the mechanics of review process. I have determined based on the current league protocols with respect to all teams and markets, this needs to be addressed immediately. So I don't think they, they know what's going on. Commissioner Siegfried knows league officials know you have said it. They, people know, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, I wonder to me, what's the best way to go forward with that? Because I'll I'll say this too. You're right. I don't have a dog in the fight in terms of team. Yeah. I'm wearing this. People can tell I'm wearing this Cobra shirt. If you've been seeing the Cobra pop over the screen, it's because you lost it. (laughs) I mean, I did, but like, it's this nice blackout shirt. So thanks Rob storm. Uh, But, but nonetheless, uh, you know, I really don't have a dog. Like you're right. I don't have a dog in fight. I don't have, I don't have a true phantom. I'm, I'm a fan of the league right now. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. see what's best. I I come from a point of what's best to have the league itself grow, you know, and I do think just talking with folks outside of the show, you know, the Discord's helped a lot. You know, the NAL group has helped a lot. The Discord I've references ours, by the way, you can join that. And it just comes down to a lot of, you know, I think fans want to see a little more openness on some of the stuff, like how the process is. You know, like you're talking the rule book. Like I'm, I'm a big proponent of mm-hmm. let fans understand the game more. And, and we were trying to do that with the NAL series. I mean, you guys remember our interview with, Commissioner Siegfried, Chris has said that he wants us to under, he wants people to understand the game, you know, and, and I think the league does that. It's just, I also am here and I want, and I, I think we're trying to find as fans and as a league, the league, a happy medium. How can we get what we want where they also get what they want? You know, I don't, I, I hate critiquing the league in this way. I really do. Um, I feel it's a necessary evil, sadly, because mm-hmm. this is, this week was, it looked bad. Yeah. I, 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 I hate saying it, but it looked bad and I, they know it. And I hope that that moving forward, it's addressed. That's all I can tell yeah. you. They have a part of the season. They have an off season coming up, you know, mm-hmm. and owners meetings are generally when this stuff gets brought up anyway. And I mean, if you're talking in, in this own, in the statement, you're talking, they're addressing what the teams want to do. And if teams are discussing with each other, you know, it's going to come up. I, I just, yeah. I want to know what the best way forward is too. Cause officials, I mean, they have a hard job as well. I mean, like of I course. said, like we talked with Andrew McGrath here, who's mentioned in the statement. I mean, dude, dude, frat, dude, frat, broke his clavicle. But I mean, you know, also that arena, it's, it is a unique version of football. You know, it takes, you, you can know the basics of football, but you need to have reps that are able to get yeah. an expert, a niche sport. And that's hard. I mean, yeah. that, that I feel, I applaud them, but man, I almost feel like the league's got to find some way forward to maybe, I don't know if it's the education of it for officiating or ways of doing it. I know the NAL is only, it's really only in year five of its existence. So it's, you still can say early, but I feel like this at some point, they're going to have to talk about it through the year. And it's going to have to be, to me, it has to be an off season thing where we, where I think you really take a deep dive this time. You really say, what can we do? You know? And And I, it's just that's all I can put. I don't yeah. I hate going farther with this conversation. It's just unfortunately it's two weeks in a row that it's been yeah. stuff has come up like this, you know. Yeah, it's it, it, it it's it's an issue that like for me and you, it's very hard for us to just come out and critique it. But we I think honestly, if it's not presented up front for the league to, you know, okay, these guys, we know these guys are passionate about our league, they know the fans, they know how the fans are reacting. It's just for us, I think if we didn't care about this league, we will ignore this situation. Like, oh, what was this? But when the commissioner makes a statement about it, that just tells you that there is an issue about it. And the league itself is still working. These guys are not NFL refs, like you mentioned. Yep. Um, and I think over time, 
you get more play, more people into the game. My 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 stance is is like sometimes I see some of these refs, they're too busy looking around to see who has the answer, or actually knowing the rules. While we have hundreds of fans in these stadiums that know the rules and they're screaming the rules, and the refs clearly don't uh, understand. But I believe that's just more on training, more on understanding the game, the arena game, because a lot of these refs they get have experience in the outdoor game. The rules are similar, but they're not, you know, every rule is not the same. So I, it's an adjustment period. Like, refs got to go through adjustment period. And we've seen it like when it started the season. They started, and it was like, oh, God, this is terrible. They adjusted and actually got better as a, for a couple of weeks, and you get the hiccups of the bad call here, bad call here, then what happened this weekend, it happens. You're going to have that in any league, just not mm-hmm. in the NL. You see it all the time in the National Football. And in the National Football League, it's in crucial games like, NFC, AFC championship game, and sometimes the Super Bowl. Um, so it's it's the human factor of the game. I just want to say to Chris Siegfried, to the owners, and to the fans of the NAL, if you show the league passion about this, they are listening, and they're trying to get this right. We're just critiquing because we know your anger, and we're feeling the same way. So why not bring it up to the get on this show to know that, hey, we know there's an issue. We know that you're working on it. But here's what the fans are thinking. And this is basically from the chat that we've been having with a lot of fans. This is basically on Twitter and the motion that we saw on the chat boards during the games. We're relaying it. So for a lot of our listeners, are you guys going to talk about this? Are you? We know that you're a part of the league. Are you going to talk about it? It's an issue. We have to mention it. You're not going to avoid it because, oh, all sunshine and rainbows. No, it was a key situation and a key factor. And one team's fan base thinks they got screwed. Both sides of the ball, either in Jacksonville or in Orlando, or excuse me, Columbus or in Orlando this past weekend. And sometimes you get, do we like talking about it? No, no. Uh, but it does come up and it's became an issue and it came to its climax in Orlando. Uh, Orlando situation really overshadowed what happened in Columbus. Um, but overall, it's an issue. I don't want to beat the dead. What, what's it saying? Beat the drum dead or whatever. You don't want beat to beat the, a dead horse. You don't want to. There we go. You Where know, I get you, the dumb dread from, like, yeah, really. Basically, you can only say so much. Uh, yeah, basically I think that's so as, much. And really, that's as far as we can go. Um, mm-hmm. But I let's mean, let's talk about the games this past Right. Weekend. And I, actually, it's funny. I want to talk about that the Gunslingers and Predators game for a different no. reason. Because, um, I mean, I know that, sure, you think of that one this past week. Um, you think of it a little more about the, uh, the end of it, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I mean, Preds fans, if you're listening in, I'm sorry. Uh, you guys let this one slip away. I mean, I, I, that the fumble, the fumble in the third quarter, right on the goal line could have put you up by 20 points. That was the start of what was a collapse. And I know mm-hmm. that the time, sure. The timing and everything, the way that that was officiated. I mean, honestly, even you look at the ruling, like I said, it, it kind of slipped out from you. This is a it's kind of become inconsistencies during the course of 60 minutes are starting to become a pattern with Jeff Higgins, squad. It's a, I'm like, man, you have it all together. It's just, there's like lulls every, like, like at least a quarter or so every game now um, that it's like elements of your roster, just, or at least of what has been working, just disappear or mistakes all of a sudden happen. You know, I could target, of course, that, of course, uh, Cato throwing to Clarence, Clarence Williams for an interception, uh, that fumble recovery, obviously a key fourth down stop late in the fourth quarter that gave San Antonio a lead to go up 49 to 44. This It was once close to a 20-point lead mm-hmm. mid-third quarter. We should have maybe – I thought we were not going to be talking about the situation. I, I remember flipping between the two games on Friday night going, all right, this one might be in the books. And then I came back as they're doing that review. And I went, how did we get here in the first place? So a lot to discuss. I mean, I, Jeff, I'm, Coach Higgins there, I mean, that's the thing is how do you find 60 minutes of finding that top level that Orlando is very much capable of hitting at and hitting at on full cylinders? I, I'm, I'm finding answers harder and harder as the years go on. Kudos to the gunslingers, though, sticking to it. <laughs> grinding it out, playing all four quarters. Fred Shaw was animated as, as the most I've ever seen in this game as in anyone I've seen all year. I mean, all game. He was like everywhere. <laughs> he was, dude was all over the field, all up and getting ready, getting ready to get his guys pumped up. They, they stuck it out. 
Two, uh, you, two straight wins. Uh, yeah, you can point out and say now how Orlando was giving this game up. And, uh, you can say it's almost like deja vu from previous week from Jacksonville. Jacksonville had a big lead on Orlando. Orlando started coming back on them, and Jacksonville fans and everyone else was saying, oh, it's because Jacksonville wasn't doing this. Never gave credit where credit's due. They gave credit to the uh, San Antonio Gunslingers. This week, deja vu again for Orlando. But this time, they were up. And give credit to Robert Kent. Give credit to the San Antonio Gunslingers. There's a couple plays in that game that I'm like, yeah, okay. The San Antonio's found something. This is their second win of the season. They have looked very well the last couple of weeks. They're finally putting something together. Their schedule gets really tough here in the, the later half of the season. But going into Orlando, getting one of the three matchups against Orlando, and also how everything collaborated this weekend, you're only a game out of the playoffs. So it's getting it's the the muck is really thick right now. That's what I love. That's our little terminology here. Oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. also, um, in the Orlando game, we had a, a very famous sighting by one of our own here on the inside of the walls. A very funny comment um, that I kind of bashed him about. Uh, he was wiped open. Um, it's the new like a, a new T shirt. I mean... It was. It's like he was wiped open. I'm like, uh, wide open question mark. So prepare for this is wipe open t-shirts. Wait, that's why you asked it. Is that why you said it? I thought it yeah. was because yeah. okay. If it was a typo, said, that makes more sense. Uh, I was like, well, was, he was wide open. What do you <laughs> that's why you put it? You put it wipe, man. It's like he was wipe open. I'm like that had uh, to be autocorrected or something, right? <laughs> I mistyped. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I, I have th- I have a screenshot. I can send it back to you. No, um, you're probably right. I'm just like, what? It, it, it was just funny. I'm like, oh, there's Zach. He's wipe open. What? <laughs> Are we doing a bounty commercial all of a sudden? No, sp- not sponsor. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no uh, but I, you got to give, uh, I, I look at uh, Shaw. Earlier this season, this team has just been, you know, they were sluggish. They were not making key plays. They got down big to Orlando, didn't give up. They came back, and, of course, what the outcome happened, they did win, but they got the win. Uh, for the fans of San Antonio, that's two in a row. Now you come home against the Carolina Panthers this week, or Carolina Cobras. If it was Carolina Panthers, it would be a different story. It's like, wow, that's that's they're starting their training camp pretty early. Um, but they're going to take on the Carolina Cobras in the Freeman Coliseum this weekend. Um, but if you look at this past game, uh, the, the weapons of San Antonio just kept doing it. And they finally got their first deuce as a franchise. Um or especially NAL franchise. I don't know if they had Deuce in the other league or not, but in the NAL, they did get a Deuce. But I like the character of the team in the second half. They really played. You could say they brought that mentality against the Albany game to Orlando, and it just felt like Cato and Orlando couldn't get anything going. Bad plays, key turnovers. And one thing I noticed in the second half, it was sloppy on both sides of the ball. Like false starts, holdings on both sides of the ball. Um, But San Antonio find a way, got a crucial stop towards the end of the game, got the ball back, and of course, history is history, and we're not going to talk about Fiasco again, but give credit to San Antonio. Uh, uh, San Antonio fans, you're going to be shocked about my power ranking this weekend. Uh, Zach won't touch it, but I will. Uh, San Antonio has impressed me over the last three weeks. Even though they lost close to Jacksonville two weeks ago, um, they're one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, Them and Columbus, in my opinion, are the two hottest teams in the league right now, and and L. Vell's wear down to a John Wayne ownership group in San Antonio. It's, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. San Antonio's vibing right now. And I guarantee our friends over the Smoking Guns podcast are, are what, what they call it, thriving or vibing right now. What's the terminology now the kids use these days? Vibing? Vibing's um, the one I'm used to. So that, that's mine. Uh, <laughs> so I think in San Antonio, they're doing that. Yes, it's a good win for San Antonio. They're one game now back out of the playoffs. Um, yes, it, Tough schedule. You got Albany twice. You got Carolina. You got Columbus. Uh, you got I honestly, how San, how Albany's playing. You might get another one against them. Um, but you're one game out. A lot of things can happen. A lot of stuff shakeups can happen above you. So whoever thought when you started 0 and five, you think, oh, we're out of the playoff picture. Now you're two and five, and you're right in the mix of things. Um, it's going to be crucial. We got some games this week in there, crucial, especially one at Jacksonville that we got to hit oh, yeah. on on Friday. Uh, but overall, for San Antonio, keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're not the worst ever NAL team to ever play. Uh, you got two wins. You're better than the you're better than the corporate crispy rampage and those teams. So that's a good and thing. It's a good it positive back. vibe. Pulling um, it back there. Yeah. So uh, better than flight. 
um, so far. Uh, that would actually be no. Uh, they'll 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 beat the flight pretty handily, in my opinion. Uh, but overall, uh, San Antonio, congrats. Uh, good win, questionable win, but still, you'd rather have an ugly win than a terrible loss. And for Orlando, gave up that big lead that that stings. Now you got back, gotta go to your rival again next week. Mm-hmm. You gotta got just gotta shore some things up and find ways to get out of out of kind of those uh, doldrums mid game. That's really all it's been killing Orlando in previous, in these previous two matchups between yeah. Jacksonville and San in San Antonio. Uh, they really, I, I mean, you can make an argument if they just put a full game together, they could be 500 still at the very least right now. Uh, Crucial this weekend for them though. They got oh, yeah. at least one. They got to win Jacksonville this weekend if they have any chance of fighting off Jacksonville for the playoff spot. Well, of course, and th- and think about this too. I mean, the Gunslingers now they have a second win. It's still they're still an out they're still on the outside looking in, but because of how things have shaken up down really from positions two through six, mm-hmm. they're in it right now. You know, they gotta they gotta play good football to end the year. They gotta really stay the course. But every team in the league has a path towards the playoffs. Only five teams have a path to elimination. Mm-hmm. So Carolina's right. They their chances of them getting in is like ninety nine point nine percent. So they literally got to fall flat on their face and everyone below them have to win out for them to even miss. But everyone still has a path to the to the final four, basically. The, the comfort that the gunslingers have now with the recent signings. I mean, Bar Barnett's opened up what Khalil Rashad can do on the other side and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Just two versatile weapons it's hard to guard two two dynamic players like that you know that one wasn't even with the roster three five five weeks ago and now they're able to Correct. do whatever they want in recent times robert kent getting more comfortable i mean that just helps it even more and stingy defense starting to show up at times now for the gunslingers mm-hmm. something that you know recent just the beginning of the year roster things have started to shift around it's there's there's avenues. I mean, more tests lie ahead. Obviously, when we do final walkthrough this week, uh, the ultimate test is going to lie ahead. The a rematch, a different identity, hopefully this time around. And that one will be at home. If you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, uh, at least the Cobras will be on the road this week. Unlike uh, or this coming week, unlike last week, where you know they did get to have Albany third times the charm for them. <laughs> Bringing out the brooms is what yeah. you said, and they did. They brought the brooms swept up the yeah. turf but i'll tell you though i got a lot really, of heat from that by the way <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look look yeah it came out of the wire the same it's same the same game flow happened i think a third time to me it deja really vu. did it really deja vu th- thrice you know yeah. carolina gets one or two possessions they get to kind of have a buffer the rest of the way you know albany did kind of creep back you know they did get mm-hmm. they get get, get did a, at least a pick from bain once there was another one I know fans have talked about with Trevon Shorts with the jack out of the box scenario. Um, that one, uh, it's an, I think, uh, personally to me, unfortunate scenario because I thought it was very right on the fine line of what a jack out of the box is and isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean, Albany, Albany was still in this the entire way. And I think what was crazy is, you know, we've kind of been talking about it seems like the white, the deuce ball is not a good K ball. And that was the only option that you could kick with in this one that neither team had a K ball to go mm-hmm. to. And I'm sitting there as the game's winding down as TC Stevens is about to line up for kick. I'm like, man, we're going to overtime. This thing, there's no way he's missed pretty much most of his kicks tonight, except extra points. Um, I don't see it. And he drains it down the middle. I'm like, I, that's what I was just throw my hands up. Like, ah, Mazel Tov. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess everyone gets one, right? <laughs> Mazel is that translation for clutch maybe sure I, yeah, I, find, that, I find that i mean that's as clutch as you can get like <laughs> i said something about that that football you just can't kick it yeah the right way we've seen it all year but sure enough one moment is all you need and that that one moment dashed any of albany's hopes to get anything off of carolina but again the same same game flow as the past i will mm-hmm. say it looked like there were some improvements with the uh Washa and Castronova connection in this one. So positive sign a little bit going yeah. forward. Again, I want I want to see them diversify not just from Darius Prince because I know the broadcast, which by the way, the, the Carolina Cobras broadcast team, they they are they are arguably one of my favorites in the league. Uh they do a great job analyzing the game. But I will say it's like they do talk about, you know, it's hard to not pick 
Prince. I'm like, see, but that's what you got to change. It can't just be Darius Prince. There's got to be another a two or three. Look at San Antonio. They got a one and a two or a interversal one A, one B. That's what you need, especially in arena. If you want to be successful on that side of the ball, you need a one A, one B. You know, can't defend everybody. If you got a good quarterback who's MVP level like Jonathan Bain, makes it just a tad harder. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just a tad harder. And that's who played an impressive game was Bain again. Bain's just mm-hmm. tore up Albany this year. Um, yes. yes. All three games. Uh, like, first game, it was, he was untouchable. Second game, he made a couple of mistakes. And the last and this last game, he made a couple mistakes. But when he needed to make a throw, he had one right there. Uh, you also got to give credit. Like, DJ Myers was – I could still say that he's – he looks like he's still recovering a little bit. Uh, from an injury that looks like he had, but still he was a lethal. Ings is still lethal. That team in the Carolina just, in my opinion, they have all the answers against Albany. It's like they're Albany's kryptonite. Like Albany can beat anyone else in the league. They just want to get to play Carolina. Just, they have the guys. They have match for match. But like we stayed before, like we stay in the off season. I keep saying this that we've said this from the beginning of the year. Carolina has the roster to win this whole thing. And we've had people get us from other areas of the country saying you're a two homer for Carolina. Well, I said three weeks ago they were going to bring the birds out. Three weeks later, they brought the birds out. As one of my favorite Uh, comedians said said in his bits, I say nay nay. I say that that is indeed. (laughs) You know, you know. I'm just I'm telling you, man. John John Panette, great great stuff. You know, food comedy. I for some reason I I just love it. Maybe it's just me, but. I'm I'm with you. I say NNA. They were a good t- there. They were good, well constructed roster preseason voting for us, and it stayed that way since. There's a reason why they're seven and two. And to even add on more context, I know we don't excuses excuse excuses at times, but I mean we we also were informed on that broadcast too. They took they had four players <laughs> against Columbus, and three of their coaches were due to just due to illness or other various issues with health. They couldn't bring them down. Now credit, I mean that doesn't mean that that's a definitive loss like Columbus's win against them was legitimate. I'm, there's yeah. nothing taken away, but you put them on all cylinders. You got a full healthy roster. I mean, DJ yeah. Myers has been battling, I believe it's a knee issue for several weeks now. Mm-hmm. I mean, now Kendrick Ings doesn't have to have him just himself blanketed the whole time. Now they can do what they want. You know, even with Lance Evans having his own on off fields as well, you can open up James Summers, Joel Powell getting more catches. I mean, Again, he's been getting a lot more recently, huh. you know. It, it, it just, for me, I, I look at it's like how did Jacksonville and Columbus find ways to beat this Carolina team? Is they have answers everywhere on that field. It, it's either pick your poison, who's going to beat you. In this game, unlike how Albany, like they, of course, Albany will go to Darius Prince because he is the stud. He is the, he's number one. And we understand that. Teams will start, you know, finding the ways to, slow down everyone else around Darius Prince and tell Darius Prince to be, be, be the guy to be everyone else. Carolina can't do that because they have plethora of weapons. Uh, and plus, Jonathan Bain, and we got a shout-out on the Carolina page, by the way, or the Carolina broadcast. They said a, that the Inside of Walls podcast is saying that Jonathan Bain is the front-runner for the uh, MVP of the league, and I still believe that. I really you do. He's, he's, he's Every single week, he has shown why he's the best quarterback in the league and why he is the MVP because he plays on the team that's currently the number one in the league. And so far, every game he's played, he's been dominant. Yes, they have losses, a close loss to Jackson. That was a, a traditional arena football game, back and forth. And the game against Columbus was really sluggish, and Columbus found something um, a couple weeks ago. But in this game right here, like I've, you mentioned, like I mentioned, it feels like, Carolina is Albany's kryptonite. And I know a lot of Albany fans on the chat boards and on the fan pages are saying, oh, this is, it's still, the, it's going to be Albany and uh, Carolina in the championship game. And it's very hard to beat the team four times. Um, yeah, but you'll be going back to Carolina for that game. And I mean, I mean even then, you have more questions. You have more issues say, right now than worrying about Carolina. Right. I mean, look, Columbus. I mean, Columbus, I was, yeah, I, last week we talked, will Daniel Smith show up and do the same thing again? And will defense stay the same? Oh, uh, yes. And yes, yes. The, the defense is the best defense in the league. And luckily mm-hmm. their last matchup, 
as we've seen back then, back at that time, they were still trying to figure out what the heck they were doing offensively. And we talked final walkthrough on come here this Friday. This is going to be, I mean, if you're Tom and Austin company over in Albany, you're like, okay, like we got better this week, but we really need to stop the bleeding at some point. And I mean, the credit on paper, if you're looking just records, technically they have one of the easiest schedules to end the year. You still got to get through this Columbus matchup and San Antonio's upset, upset you already, you know, Orlando, I bet can give you a good fight. Yeah. Yeah, It's not going to be easy. You got, it's not going to be easy, but let's just say if they go play, if Columbus stays on fire and beats Albany this weekend, that's four straight losses for Albany. And then you go back to San Antonio and knowing San Antonio, there, what happens if San Antonio pulls off an upset this weekend too? All of a sudden, you go from defending champions, publicizing to everybody that you are the defending champions, to, oh my God, can we even make the four seed? Um, that's <laughs> it, it's it's Tom and Austin is a good coach. They have a great organization there, but sometimes superstar organizations do not win championships. Look at the NBA. We saw some great big threes. We saw some great NBA teams like the L.A. Lakers back in the 2000s. That Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, and uh, oh, I think it was Nash. I think it was on that team too. They never made it. They, they made the NBA Finals and got swept. I mean, you can get to the dance, but can, will you win? You look at – like you see narrative from non-Albany fans. They're signing the best player, but they're just signing best players, but not a player that fits their system. They're going to play a team this weekend in Columbus. That's Jason Gibson style. Like we mentioned earlier, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, man, Jason, the injuries, the frustration to find somebody. And we know it's not Gibson. It's not the issue in Columbus. We know that. Now that he's gotten the quarterback, his defense is still there. You look at goes like, I don't know. Columbus goes up there and beats Albany. Albany's in a lot of hurt and trouble. And they go from, Yes, we're going to definitely be a, a guaranteed two seed. To can we hold on to at least a three and four? And even though the schedule may look light to call Albany, they can't overlook. I think they overlooked San Antonio a couple of weeks ago when they lost to uh, when they lost to Carolina. And go, oh, we're looking forward to that Carolina game, and San Antonio got them. I and think I, I think you predicted that right too, honestly. And I and, and I said that's a trap game. I, I preached it on this show. I preached it on the boards. It's like San Antonio better not they better not overlook San Antonio. That is a classic trap game, like college football, that trap game between two yeah. right opponents. And they walked through San Antonio and lost. And it's lingered now a couple of weeks now. And it's it's not when you start pointing finger at the coaching staff or the players, it's find something that works for you guys. Teams are finding how to beat you. Why is Darius Prince getting eight touchdowns a game? It's because they're allowing Darius Prince to score eight touchdowns. They're not letting anyone else beat them. And that's how you're that's how Albany is losing games. Carolina did that. San Antonio did that. Carolina did that again. And I guarantee you, Jason Gibson, who is a loyal listener to the show, knows let Darius Prince eat. Control everyone else, and you'll beat Albany. That has been the game plan against Albany. And I've seen that against Carolina this past week. They were letting Darius Prince do his thing. They were not making Dwayne Hollis beat them. They're not making they're not making Dwayne Hollis beat them. They're not gonna make uh Wade beat him or yeah, Wade beat him and uh Dang it, I forgot the homeboy from uh, Philly. Masha. Um, Masha. There we go. They were, they were making them beat them. Let Darius do their thing. Mm-hmm. Let him do I, his thing and control everyone else. And that's what Carolina did. That's what San Antonio did. And Manos needs to think of something, how to mix up that offense. If not, Columbus is going to go in there with that same game plan and go, okay, we're going to just shut. We're going to let Darius Prince have his thing. We're not going to let anyone else beat us. And they're going to come out of Albany with a win. This is another one of the, those matchups too. I think about, you know, it came down to a field goal and you really wonder like field position wise too. It, it doesn't help when you, if you're trying to go for a deuce, you can't line up the ball. And I know, I know the white kicking ball, the white, the white ball, the deuce ball has not been great yeah. for that, but I don't, Derek vodka, Derek vodka has not done it since mm-hmm. he stepped in for Marco Roscoe. It's hard to replace someone like that. And that's just something, I mean, that was another thing that stuck out against Carolina. They, Carolina, almost every possession got the start from the 20. 
because yeah, they're of, kicking it. Yeah, Baco's was, kicking almost, it out. I, yeah. I, if I had to take just off my own recollection of my viewing of the game, I am fairly certain almost every one of those kicks went out of bounds to the side. None of them stayed in play. Yeah. None of them got to the back wall. Almost all of them were souvenirs, which you don't want to see whatsoever. At least show you can get to the back wall. And I don't whether it's the ball or not. I don't think it's the ball, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's it's not working. <laughs> uh, that is uh, that's an element special teams wise. You got to have someone that's a little more efficient. I don't know if that's another thing they look at. It's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still can sign players. There's still time, you know, to work things out. But I mean, special teams helps. It's not the main issue. Yeah. But it's something. It's it's hurt their season right now. It's something you got to work around. Yeah, and for Albany to be positive about this, you, you yeah, you lost to Carolina. Three of your losses are to Carolina, one's to San Antonio. And all your other wins are against everyone else in the league. So that benefits you. The problem is you get those teams again besides Jacksonville. And I guarantee there's a lot of Jacksonville Shark fans out there that want a piece of Albany again. Because I guarantee you right now, this Jacksonville team, different iteration, a little bit better than the one they mm-hmm. played a couple from the first two weeks of the season. But for I just look at Manas and I look at that coaching staff and I do like they need to make adjustments. Um, and Columbus is not that team that Columbus is not going to be that get right game. <laughs> it's like, Oh, we need to get right. It's going to be hard. Columbus, really Columbus hard. is not that team. And it's almost, I'm not going to make a bold statement. I'm going to just say it's a must win for Albany. If they want to be a two seed, mm-hmm. uh, the one seed, basically it's out of reach for, uh, if you tied Carolina, no matter what, your 0-3 gets them, they're going to have the one seed. Unless Carolina epic falls here in the next couple of weeks. Um, this is a big game against Carolina, uh, Columbus. If you beat Columbus, you're 2-0 against Columbus. You have the tiebreaker of them. But if Columbus beats you, you're 1-1. They have a better record. They get a, another game on you. They'll be up on like two games on you. And I think right now, based on the score differential, I think it's very close. I need to get check on that. Um, but it's crucial for Albany if they want to be that team that gets that two seed. But they also, if you will, like I mentioned before, every team in the league has a path to the playoffs. Only one team needs to do an epic fail to miss. And that's Carolina. Uh, that's Carolina. But for Albany, there's a path to make it. There's also a path to miss it. And yeah. we would have, I mean, you wouldn't have said that three weeks ago. Um, and this is crucial. It's home, which is good. But last time they were home, they lost at home. So Albany needs to find a way. Uh, this is a pivotal week for Albany. And for Jason Gibson, that hasn't won in Albany yet, hasn't beaten Albany yet, you guarantee you Gibson and the Carol- and the Columbus Lions are – they're chomping at the bit to get the first point against well, Albany. Well, remember what uh, Coach Gibson said when we've talked to him. It ain't a rivalry yet. We haven't gotten that win. Yeah, and to make that official is what I'm is what I'm looking at. That might happen, and it could possibly happen. And you know, this is just I think it's a perfect lead-in to cap off. You know, just really, just really Columbus's resurgence these last two weeks. You know, can, I know we can also I talked about. Left? Yeah, I know we also <laughs> talked about you know that how that first half ended and everything like yeah. that. But I mean, the, as we've said. This is the best defense in the National Arena League for a reason. It, holding team, I mean, holding teams down to 33 points is a good feat, especially for a Sharks team that has come on and said, we're just, our philosophy is we just outrun you. We just choose to outrun you. You, you have to keep up with us. Basic, Columbus basically said, okay, um, we're going to just slow the pace down. You're going to play at our level, and we're going to beat you that way. And that's kind of what, yeah, like I said, call or not, Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's really what they did. That is, that is the entire philosophy of what they did. They brought them to their, they brought them down to the level they wanted. They controlled the pace on the turf. They were able to offensively get most of what they wanted accomplished. And, you know, Daniel, say Daniel Smith was able to find who he wanted. Townsend has become more and more versatile weapon. He's become their number one weapon at this point in the season um, right now. I mean, he, he's been a stud throughout the year. Kenny Starks. You know, right now he's contributing even more so in the Ironman since last week. You know, running capability. He's get he's a ferocious guy going around the edge to get sacks. Dude, as we've been described about him, he has a motor. That that's just him. He, he just he that is his philosophy. He go he's hundred percent every play. There's never a playoff, and it shows. 
guy gets back there guys a disruptor and one thing that they did an excellent job with something when you play arville nelson you gotta do this i this is the least amount of times i've seen arville get a deep run down the field escape the pocket use his legs he, get, he had a few moments he got some short yardage but they did a they did an excellent job in a game plan in surrounding nelson keep him in the pocket and essentially just saying we're not you got to beat us throwing and we'll give you maybe dink and dunks every now and then or at least that's the thing you're going to methodically move down the field not too many uh lobs you know 20 plus yarders going to the end zone and he didn't he didn't get too many where he was kind of an open runner they kept it all contained that is you know that is a great feat for a qb like arvell nelson is for the way he likes to play his style of offense that's how you win games against him they did the exact game plan needed now naquan murray still had his own game as you saw now i mean devin wilson's not there so you have to have someone step up murray's been that guy you very well know that jim um and he still had his day but i'll tell you they did all the right things to say we're not we can't beat you fully but we're gonna slow down your best weapon that's your qb we did enough to slow that element of the game down and sure enough they took advantage of the one thing we made a point of last week the one slip up comes every game yeah it actually came on a pick six Drew Green, Drew Green took one to the house and basically put put it on ice a little bit at that point. Thanks, thanks, Zach. Thanks for the jinx, by the way. I know. <laughs> it, it is definitely my fault. I'll take hey, all credits on that one. Next that's, next that's time, my... you, next time you say something like that, make it as bold statement so you get people that get mad at you, like I uh, make a bold statement about getting Albany gets swept. Um, overall, the, besides the happened first half, Jacksonville, you know, got out of the gate sluggish columbus capitalized but one thing i noticed about this is one thing and i this is what's basically making me very impressed about arville nelson is that he is single-handedly carrying the sharks and he made that one mistake that was determined fact uh the final outcome of the game if he didn't throw that interception i guarantee jackson scores and jackson wins the game uh because they were columbus wasn't that second half they weren't slowing down jackson naquan murray was beating him. Uh, Rob Jones was torching him. Norvell, uh, 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 Nelson, I almost said Mike Norvell, he's okay, coach of Florida State Seminoles. Um, uh, Arvell Nelson was tearing apart Columbus's defense in the second half. They had no answers against him until that final possession. It's This game was a mixture of ups and downs. Like Columbus got the early deuce, this get off the game, got a turnover, scored a touchdown, got up two scores. Jackson fought back should have regained the lead at halftime, but we already talked about that. And but the second half, Jackson kept fighting, and Columbus kept answering. Um, when we have a source uh, in the league says that he still believes that Jackson and Columbus are the two best teams in the league right now, and I think he's just doing that to make us feel happy about the show. But uh, right now, Columbus, my like you've been on Columbus's defense from day one. Um, the, how they were the best defense in the league. And they basically carried that over from last year's best defense in the league. And I'm still kind of think that Carolina still has a, a good argument in that, uh, that discussion. But overall in this game, yes, Jacksonville lost. Uh, but the final score does not tell you how close this game was. Yes, Columbus won by 10, but clearly it was that Arvell Nelson's interception that was the determining factor of the game. And it overall, when you look at this game, and look at the three matches to these two teams. One possession games in both meetings in Columbus and a complete blowout in, this, in Jacksonville for the one game in Jacks. It's a true rivalry between these two teams. And I made a statement in their chat that I don't think this is the last time Columbus and Jacksonville will play each other this season. Um, that's either in the playoff game or in the NAL championship game. I still think they're going to have a fourth and final matchup of the year. Um, but overall, this team, this game, was the determining factor where these teams have gone. You look at week one's teams, I honestly, I think Jacksonville destroys themselves in week one. And I think Columbus's team destroys themselves in week one. Uh, these are two better iterations of the teams. Uh, one thing I'm impressed about Jackson is big man Naquan Murray stepping up with Devin Wilson oh, yeah. being out. Naquan was there. Arvell was getting him the ball. And they were moving the ball down the field. Uh, you look on the side of Columbus, uh, of course, Starks is impressive. And they kind of jumped off a little bit, a little early in a couple plays, but not too much to get the flag thrown. But 
the keys to this game start off early. Columbus's special team was getting deuces. Jacksonville was doing what Albany was doing, just kick the ball out of bounds down the trying to play position. And Columbus's average starting position was like at the 20-yard line. Um, but overall, out of the three games this weekend, Jacksonville, Columbus lived up to the bill. You mm-hmm. knew it was going to be an, an ugly game. Uh, you knew one fan base was going to be ticked off at the end. Uh, one fan base was either going to talk about penalties. Another fan base was going to talk about, you know, the bald-headed guy by the club seats to, distracting the field goal kickers. Um, I have to keep saying that to Casey because he's right there. <laughs> um, but, but anyways, um, overall, for Columbus, is a win. They're currently right now based in standings, number two in the NAL. Crucial matchup this week in Albany. They can solidify them as a top-two team right now and maybe pull some separation. But they have a crucial tiebreaker over Jacksonville. Uh, if ever Jacksonville finds a way to capitalize on the second half of the season with three, three winnable games for Jacksonville, with Caroline coming here with the other two, um, it's going to be an intriguing game. But what really got me is that Jason Gibson, the Carolina, and Jason Gibson and the Columbus Lions, that mentality, his game plan, his style, Columbus is playing Columbus football. It took him, it took him the week nine to finally get there. But this is a Columbus team that can rival the team from last season. They have a quarterback. They have a team. Uh, they have a receiving core that's very underrated, doesn't get enough recognition. And they got a defense that just smothers you and shuts you down. Uh, yeah. So for Columbus fans out there, that's like, oh, Jim doesn't talk positive about the Columbus Lions. Well, yeah, I had to. Um, you guys deserve it. You tip hat, you know, rivalry. You know, touche. See you another day. You, you guys won the season series against the Sharks. And hopefully we get, like I mentioned, I think this is not the last time we see these two teams face each other in the 2022 season. But right now, Columbus gets the edge, and right now they're on a three-game winning streak, I think. Three-game? Two-game winning uh, two streak. Game. It's two-game. Two-game. Yeah. I almost, almost gave you my prediction of this week coming up. A two-game winning streak and two impressive games. They shut down Carolina, and they outlasted, like you said, you have to outlast Jacksonville. You can't really shut them down. They outlast Jacksonville. Um, overall, Townsend, beast. Um, he returned one back to get the game. I'm like, don't kick it to the dude. That's why they started kicking no. it. Like, just don't <laughs> he, kick it to him. Him or Akeem Cato or Kendrick. Yeah. Gaines. It, was, it was like the three guys. It's like, if you are going to kick that, kick yeah. this one, you're going to go for the deuce. You better get it back past the back wall. Because if that thing's yeah. returned, they are going to burn you. It's almost guaranteed you're going to get at least 20 yards that they'll burn you for. And also, uh, Columbus kept it away from Naquan when he was back there. They, and, and Rob Jones, they didn't want them to do it, too. So it, it's it's unique. Even though we're not getting deuces as, as a high frequency like we usually did last year, the strategy of keeping the ball away from some of these kick returners is just as entertaining as the overall game itself. Um, but for you Columbus fans, enjoy. You get the win. You're back in second place in the, in the league. And, hey. Got a winning record. Feel, How about feels that? good. It's got to feel good. <laughs> feels good. And my sharks are below five hundred again for the second time. <laughs> but look, it, look, it's nice to see. It's so, it's so, uh, it, it's a little more thrilling this way. Every week parody. is a lot more implication. Yes, it's parody. There's a yeah. lot more parody this year. I know J- Carolina obviously separated themselves a little bit more this past week, but like the bottom, the three playoff seeds are kind of up in the air right now. And we're like the back, we're at the back half of the season now. Parody. It's glorious. Yeah. yeah. We are entering week 10 this weekend. And we finally have, we're entering the season that I like to call playoff scenarios. Yeah. We have one team that has that scenario this week, and that is the Carolina Cobras. They win this week against the San Antonio Gunslinger with an Orlando loss. They clinched themselves one of those four seeds in this year's postseason Hmm. so yeah the season is seems like it just started but it's a lot longer than last year um but overall week nine has had its ups and it's had its downs um we mentioned earlier in the show but we just want to tell you the fans here for your number one source for nal news follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at in walls pod follow us on youtube at in Inside the Walls podcast on YouTube, you we're four, we're fourteen away till we get the In Walls pod so on our YouTube. So close, yeah. And of course, like, subscribe, and click the bell because it builds morale. Because uh, one of our other colleagues, 
And which that's you're in, in the other league. That's playoff time, right? Yes. First, that's if, just, you, that's, if you care about the United States Football League this Saturday, baby, it's the weekend yeah. of the playoffs. And then July 4th weekend's championship. I'm not going to go into full show mode for that. But, but so, I, hey, there, it's playoff I'm football saying. being played this weekend. Yeah. yeah. You got options, people. Yeah, <laughs> you got some true. good options. I'm telling and you. also, and so also we got three game slate in the NAL coming up this week. And we'll cover that on Friday on the final walkthrough. Uh, Turf Talk, TBA might do a player, might do our one year anniversary show. We got to figure out things, do the scheduling purposes. But there will be a show dropping Thursday. We had a lot of fans out there saying, where's my Thursday show? Well, it is Thursday. Why? We kind of had scheduling issues. Um, so they wanted their turf talk. We forgot it. And, of course, we'll be here on Friday night. Remember, again, follow us on NWAS Pod. Also, NationalArenaLeague.com. Uh, we're halfway down the page on the right side. It's NationalArenaLeague.com forward slash videos. I'm Jim Renier. I'm located here in Jackson, Florida. That is Zach Collins, 900 miles north in Indianapolis. But remember, before we end this show, yep. hello, YouTubers. I know it's so late, but <laughs> remember one thing. Watch where you are at all times on defense. If you are that Mac linebacker, wait, nope, Jack linebacker. See, now Commissioner Sicker is going to get a hold of me again. It's going to be the same thing that we talked about in our last interview. <laughs> I've it's mixed my words. I'm, I'm too excited, Jim. This is what's happening. You know it. You folks know it. Don't be a jack out of the box. It's that simple. You know, keep a level yeah. head, know your surroundings and keep your eyes on the prize. Just yeah. like a jack linebacker does. Yeah. And if you were my jack linebacker, you'd be giving the offense free first downs. I'd be really ticked at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what are you I, doing? <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the episode of Wednesday Rewind. We'll see you tomorrow for Turf Talk.